Turn with me, if you would, to Psalms 27. Psalm 27. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we open the text here this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you this morning, and Lord, it is not lost on me the weight that I bear by opening this text. And God, I ask this morning that it would not be me that speaks, but it would be you. Father, may I step aside from this pulpit and may you step up. May the people who hear this message hear your voice clearly, not mine, but yours. And may you be glorified. Take what's here this morning and encourage us, strengthen us, convict us, Father. Move us towards you. We love you. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray this. Amen. Well, we live in a world that is ever increasingly moving towards darkness. Amen. Every, every single day, every single hour, seems to be more and more things moving us towards wickedness, towards darkness. On every front, there is more and more reason for us to be disheartened, amen? We see things on the news, we read things in, on social media that cause us to have a heavy heart. Nevertheless, even in the midst of all of this, we who are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ have a glimmer of hope. Amen. We have a glimpse of light. We have the foundation upon which to stand. And I want us to see that in Psalms 27 today. Um, the foundation of the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So David is writing this psalm. And I, and I want us just, we're, we're going to start in verse 1. And we're just going to go after the text for a few minutes. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and my foes, it is they who will stumble and fall. Though an army encamped against me, is encamped against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. Listen, David, as he writes this text, he, he is reminding himself of who God is. In, in verses 1 through 6, David is actually having a, a conversation with himself. Anybody in the room have ever had a conversation with yourself? You've got you to gotta talk yourself off a ledge every once in a while. Anybody in the room? I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, good. I'm not the only one that has to talk yourself. I, I have to talk myself off a ledge every once in a while. And David is reminding himself in the text here who God is and what God has done and the relationship that he has with God. He, he's talking to himself about the things that are going on in his own personal life. And, and let's be honest about this. David's got several things in his repertoire Right? He's got several things going on in his world to be worried about. Amen? He's got a lot of things that are, that are taking place. He, he has got a laundry list of troubles in his life. People are trying to kill him actively. His kids are trying to kill him and dethrone him. 
He's got other rulers that are trying to kill him, right? He's committed adultery and murder in that order. So he's, he's got a lot of problems, right? Anybody in the room got problems? Well, David would say, listen, what you've got going on in your life probably isn't as bad as me. You got, any, you got any government rulers trying to hunt you down? Probably not, right? But nevertheless, he, he's reminding himself of who God is and what God has done in his life. So therefore, he doesn't have to be afraid. He doesn't have to fear. This is something for all of us who are in Christ to remind ourselves of on a daily basis. Your your trouble is only for a season in this life if you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are in Christ today, the troubles you have are not permanent. Amen? Anybody? Praise God that that is the truth. If you're in Christ, your troubles are only for a season. You don't have to worry. So even if an army is encamped against you, you can live in this confidence that Christ is sovereign and we don't have to worry about anything. That Christ is sovereignly in control of this world. Listen, nothing comes into your life without first going through the filter of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we say, Caleb, I don't like what's come through the filter lately. Well, get in line. There's a lot of folks that are feeling that same way right now. Amen? But here's what I can promise you. God uses all things. All things. For those who love Him, according to His purposes, all things work to good For those who love the Lord Jesus Christ. So even the bad stuff is working towards a good end for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? No amens on that one? Alright, fair enough. You who are a Christ follower no longer have to be afraid of what comes wrong. Because Christ Jesus is your advocate. I think of Romans chapter 8 verse 34. It says, Who then is to condemn no one christ jesus who died more than that who is now raised to life is at the right hand of god and is also interceding for us so i want you to think about that how many guys love it when someone says hey i'm praying for you anybody like those text messages those phone calls those letters i know we live in a world where a lot of letters don't get mailed anymore but how many guys like a message when somebody says hey just want you to know i'm praying for you anybody you just got a text message this morning i know that see sound i know it sounds cheesy i know but when you read the text it is christ jesus who now is at the right hand of the father interceding for those that are in christ And because of that fact, David is in the midst of all this trouble and he, he knows that Christ is there. I, I don't have to fear. I don't have to worry. I don't have to, if there's an army encamped against me, I, I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry. I, I will be confident. And what I want you to understand this morning, those that are in Christ Jesus have the confidence in knowing that your future is secure. Your future is set and sealed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Of those that are in Christ, those that have repented of their sins and trusted in the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have this confidence. I love this. And because of that fact, David, in the next part of the verse here, David 
who's in the midst of trouble. He's in the midst of all kinds of problematic problems. He's got all kinds of things happening in his life. And he should have, I mean, if, if, you, if you and I were in the midst of the trouble that he's in, don't you think you'd be asking God for something a little bit different than what comes next in this verse? He, David asks God for one thing here. And, and this one thing that he asks is, it just doesn't seem like things that maybe you would ask the God of the universe. Hey, God, I, I'm about to be killed by this army. Could you, could you make sure I don't get killed? This is the one thing he asks in verse 4. One thing I have asked of the Lord, that I will seek after him, and that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and gaze or look upon the beauty of the Lord, and inquire or reside or be in his temple. Like, this is the one thing he asks. Uh, not, not too long ago, I, I asked a, a question of this on social media. I asked this question. I said, if you, if you could have an audience with God and ask him just one question, what would that one question be? And the overarching idea or the overwhelming answer to the question was, I want my kids to have it better than me. That was... That was the overarching answer to that question. If I could have one, an audience with the Lord Jesus Christ, what's one thing I'd ask? Well, I want my kids to have it better than me. That's not a bad thing, right? But man, David, David takes a completely different turn here. One thing I ask of the Lord, that I would, that I want, this is what I want. I want to be able to seek after Him. I want to know Him. I want to be in His presence. I want to dwell in His house. I want to be next to Him. He wants nothing else. One thing I've asked of the Lord. David has one burning desire. He, he wants to live his life in the presence of God Almighty. Now, we all know from history that he, he didn't always do that, right? He didn't always do what he should, amen? He didn't always seek after God. He didn't always follow and obey the Lord Jesus Christ. There were days he followed after and obeyed his lusts, right? There were consequences to those lusts, but nevertheless, he still did that. And this is why I love God's word. It shows humanity at its worst and how God took us who are depraved and wicked and rascals and redeems us from our wickedness and our sinfulness. Isn't that good? That he took us from our worst and puts us into a position of our best. Golly. But David's desire is to know God. He wants to know Him. He wants to follow Him. And he wants to live in His presence. He wants to have access into the house. He wants to be there. To look upon the beauty of the Lord. And simply to be in His presence all the days of His life. And I think we, as modern day human beings in the church today church-going Christians, could get our, if we could get our hearts and our minds wrapped around the idea of wanting to know God. Above all else, I want to know the mind of God. I want to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Above all else, I want my allegiances to be for Him. I want my loyalties to be for Him. I want everything to be about Him. 
the decisions I make, the relationships I'm in, the businesses that I am a part of, the things that I do at work, the things I do at leisure, everything would be rotating around the idea of knowing God Almighty. I, I think our lives would look totally different. I think our desires would change. But I think that if we truly got our minds wrapped around the actual idea that this is not where we're going to live forever, because this is what David did. David realized that David understood this is not my home permanently. And listen, he had everything going for him. As the man who, he, he, he had access to anything he wanted. He was the king, right? He had access to everything that he wanted to have access to. But I, I think if we got our minds wrapped around this idea that the one thing I ask of the Lord, that I would seek after Him, number one, that I'd know Him, that I'd follow Him, that I'd trust Him, our lives would look different forever. We'd have a different mindset about sin. We'd have a different mindset about self and all the things that come with sin and self. And... Let me just say, I know it's easy to stand here. I get it. This is the easy side of this text, is to stand behind the sacred desk and to say, hey, we all should trust in the Lord Jesus Christ better, right? That's the easy side of this. But actually putting our feet to the pavement is a totally different game. I get that. But this is where faith comes into practice, right? This isn't just a theory. This is where we can get the rubber meets the road, as the, as the statement is. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the confidence. Is, is, faith is, is in, I'm sorry. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for. And the assurance about what we do not see. This is the, this is the command for us. This is what we're called to do. This is the thing that we are to pursue. What is, we're, have faith is the confidence in the things that we hope for, we, things we haven't seen yet. If you jump down to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, And without faith, it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Those who are really seeking after God's will in their life. And believing that God's work on the cross was the mechanism that, that brings actual redemption and sets us free from this present world system. And then walking in that truth. That's what we're called to do. And I, and I want us to see here that, that what happens when we do begin to seek the Lord earnestly, it, it, comes, it comes with some beautiful things in, in Psalms 27, verse 5. For he, God, will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent, and he will lift me high upon the rock. C.H. Spurgeon once said that, What a hiding place he, Jesus, he, Jesus, has been to his people. He bears the full force of the wind himself. And so he shelters those who hide themselves in him. We have thus escaped the wrath of God. And we shall thus escape the anger of men. 
and the cares of this life and the dread of death. Woo, that's a good quote, right? God delivers his people and keeps them safe in a time of trouble. And listen to me, we are in times of trouble. I know that we may not feel it in the center of the country right now. You're like, eh, I just see it over there on the east side. I see it on the west coast. I see it on both ends of the, of the country. But eh, I'm not feeling too bad here in Kansas, right? But let me, let me tell you, God delivers his children in times of trouble. And let me tell you, we're in trouble. We're in troubled times. And now more than ever, we need to find our refuge in the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to find our refuge in this idea of the text. And, the, and he does continue in the text in verse 6 through 7. He says, And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. That's what we just did. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. When we come and listen, when you and I come to understand how good God has been to us, the reaction is joy and worship. And there's joy in worship. It's not just that begrudging, when peace, like we, like, it is well with my soul. God, thank you that you've done what you've done for me, that you've come alongside me and you've lifted me up above the, the, the tumultuous seas of life. And then David continues in the text, verses 7 through 12. David has a conversation with the Lord in verses 7 through 12 now. And, and so, verses 1 through 6, he's having a conversation with himself, and he's having to remind himself who God is. And then verses 7 through 12, he begins to have this conversation with the Lord about his problems, about his enemies, about his circumstances. And he doesn't start worrying. He starts pleading with the Lord to do a work. Let's see what happens. Verse 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. Anybody in the room ever felt that? Anybody in the room ever was you, you prayed out, God, please listen. I need you. Verse 8. You said, he's, he's, he's saying to God, hey, you told me. You said, seek my face. Seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, I do seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O oh, you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O oh, God of my salvation. For my father and mother have forsaken me, but Lord, you will take me in. Listen, there may be moments in our lives where human beings are going to let us down. If, scratch that. Human beings are going to let you down. Anybody? I always go back to that silly movie, Jerry Maguire. When she's sitting there and, and he walks in and they're having that conversation. And she's like, this little experiment wouldn't have worked without you. She's like, shut up. Just shut up. You got me a hello. You, you complete me. Listen. You like that? Listen. Jamie doesn't complete me. I, now listen, I like being around her. I pick her over everybody else. I like her, right? But she doesn't complete me. And guess what? I don't complete her. And if I put that weight on Jamie, 
there's going to be a problem because the only one who was meant to complete you and I is the Lord Jesus Christ. Your husband doesn't complete you. Your kids don't complete you. Your wife doesn't complete you. It's Jesus who completes you. That's what my father and my mother have forsaken me. Listen, there will be human beings who you thought were your trusted friends. You thought was in you. I mean, they're in my camp. They got my back. Listen, we're, we're dumb to think that. All it takes is having, man, have you ever noticed this? All it takes is having one small conversation and a relationship can be completely just shattered. Anybody? Maybe 10 sentences and a relationship can be completely just just fall apart. Not with the Lord. My parents might forsake me, but guess what? God, you will take me in. So I, if you're putting your hope in a relationship on this earth, outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're wasting your time. Now listen, I'm thankful i got a wife who loves me and puts up with my crazy but guess what? She might have a breaking point one day. The Lord Jesus doesn't have a breaking point. He will take us in. All right, verse 11. You got that one free, that one in the notes? Verse 11. Teach me your ways, O Lord. Lead me in the path, of, of a, on a level path. Teach me your ways, O Lord, and lead me on a path that is level because my enemies, because my enemies are present. They're right there. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries or false witnesses have risen against me. They breathe out violence. The stance he takes here is a stance of humility. And he's, he's saying, God, I, I know that I, listen, please don't turn me away in your anger. You have every right to, but God, please don't. He takes this stance of humility, this tone of pleading. He does not want to be taken away from the, the bottom line is, and he wants to be in the presence of God. How many of us, like, genuinely want to be in the presence of God? And you say, well, yeah, Caleb, I sort of kind of do. Yeah, 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 we're here, right? Right, we're in the presence. Listen, you're never out of the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're, listen, even if you're not a Christian, God is still present everywhere. There's nowhere you can go that he's not. You can't dig a deep hole or go to the highest mountains. He is there all the time. And now, for those that are in Christ, that's an encouragement. For those that are outside of Christ, better watch yourself. Better watch yourself. The stance is a stance of humility and a tone of pleading. He wants to be in God's presence. He wants to be in the house of God. Not just in the house of God, like the Bible or the church. He wants to be in the actual physical presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. He does not want his enemies to take him out. He wants to be in the presence of God as his comforter, as his protector, as his provider. Oh, it's so good. And I, I love how David ends the text in verse 13 and 14. I, I love this. I believe, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Remember we talked about that in Hebrews chapter 11? 
you want to please the Lord Jesus Christ? Have faith that he'll take care of his kids. Have faith in believing that God is who he says he is. And David says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that you will stand in the presence of God and you'll get to see the goodness of who the Lord is? David has faith. This is, what, this is the difference in David. He believes. Now, is David perfect? Absolutely not. He's a mess. But he, uh, he believes that God will take care of him. And that, flow, and that, follow, that, that follows this up. The, the text here, he follows this up. He says, wait on the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. I think of Isaiah 41. Man, Isaiah 41 has got some great nuggets of truth. Set forth your cause, says the Lord. Bring your proofs, says the king of Jacob. And in verse 10 it says, Fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. And I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Like, this is the idea here, is that God will come, like, God's bigger than your problems. God's bigger than the things that are going on in your life. Do you believe that? David does. David believes this. He believes that he'll be in the presence of God's goodness. He'll be there all the day long. Wow. Such, such goodness. Such, such glory to know that God is more than enough. That God will take care of those who are his children. Oh, fear not, for I am with you. Be not discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. You need strength this morning? You need, like, you, Caleb, you don't know what's going on in my life. I know, I, that's the beauty. I don't have to know. I don't have to know what's going on in your life. Because God already knows, and he's given us the step, the, the, the things to, te- to keep us where we need to be. He'll give you the strength. He will help you. He'll uphold you with his righteous hand. It's not, listen, it's not Caleb that holds you up, right? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's him and him alone. And so David has this faith. He has this belief. And that's the difference. You say, well, Caleb, he's, he did a lot of bad things. Yeah, he did. But he was quick to repent. He was quick to own it. He was quick to say, God, forgive me. He was quick to say in in Psalms 51, the the greatest psalm of repentance that is just ever, like it's just amazing. First thing he says out of the gate, verse 1, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love and according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. 
Like this is, the, this is how he starts this prayer of repentance. Now, if you remember, this is, this is shortly after it's been exposed that he had an affair and he killed the husband. He's not, he's not a candidate for deacon. Right? I don't want David next to my wife. But what? God still shows him mercy. So there is hope for you today. There's hope for me today. What is that hope? That you and I would live in this lane. That we would take our sins and we would just lay them before the Lord Jesus Christ. And we would say something like this. Wash me thoroughly of my iniquities and cleanse me from my sins. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, Lord, against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, so that you might be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Because God has every right to judge every one of us in this room completely and holistically and just wipe us out. He has every right to do that. Verse 5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother did conceive me. There you go. You were born, this, oh, the little innocent baby. Nope. They're wicked and depraved, minus God. But look at verse, Behold, you delight in truth, in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart, in the secret places. Purge me with the hyssop bush, that I should be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. That is the hope that you and I cling to this morning. This is the truth of the matter. That if you submit your life to Christ, you give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, you repent of your sins and you trust the gospel and you believe and have faith in this, look what happens. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Listen, I know we live in some dark times. I know we live in some dark seasons. But I can promise you this this morning. That if you are in Christ, take courage. Wait for the Lord and He will be here soon. And He's going to rescue us. He's going to rescue us. Take heart. Submit your life to Christ today. Repent of your sins. Ask God to forgive you. And guess what? He will. How do you know? Because the Bible says so. Because the Bible says so. And that's all I need. But I also have the experience of knowing that God's forgiven me. How many in the room know that God has forgiven you? Anybody? Show some hands. Come on. God's forgiven you. So if God can forgive you, He can forgive anybody, right? If God can forgive me, He can surely forgive you. If God can forgive you, He can surely forgive me. Amen? That's how big... Our God is. Trust in that today. Hold fast to that today. Amen? Amen?